Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Mission Church, I'm back. Woo! But man, can I just say this real quick? The last two weeks, it was a good thing I was gone because Chase Wiggins brought an amazing message. And Mike Lucia, come on now, a soft heart creates a strong leader. That is never going to leave me. I love the last two weeks uh, of sermons. But now I'm back, and we've been in a series titled Knowing God, and I'm teaching out of the Gospel of John. And I, I got to make this confession real quick. I've been only pastoring for almost three years now, senior pastor in this church for three years, and I've realized I love teaching the Word of God. I love teaching out of the book of a Bible. I love, I love getting inside of it and reading it and, and finding out what God's trying to say. And, and I really believe this, that uh, the more and more that you are taught the word of God, it's gonna make you a sharper Christian. I love this verse it says in Ecclesiastes. It says this in Ecclesiastes. It says, using a dull ax requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. Some of you think that you need uh, more strength. No, you need more scripture. Can I say that again real quick? You think you're weak? Oh, I just need to be stronger. No, you need more scripture. Scripture makes you stronger. It makes the blade uh, sharper. Another thing I love, I love what uh, Abraham Lincoln says. Shout out to the greatest president. Uh, Maybe, I guess he's tied maybe with Donald Trump because he tweeted a few weeks ago that he is the greatest president. I don't know. Did I just pull up the name Donald Trump in service? Yes, I did. Because that's funny. He said he was better than Abraham Lincoln. Let's keep going. Okay. Uh, Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the ax. Oof. Can I just tell you something real quick? You need to stop trying so hard and you need to start reading your scripture. You need less trying and more teaching. What, what, what Abraham Lincoln's saying is, the reason why you're not succeeding, what Ecclesiastes is saying, the reason why you are not flourishing in life is your ax is too dull. I do not like dull Christians. I'm just not a fan of them. They don't bring a lot to the table. They just bring a lot of uh. But man, you bring a sharp Christian who knows the word of God and has it in their heart, on their lips and in their mind, ooh, they are world changers. That's why I love teaching scripture. And so we're gonna learn from one of the most basic things in the Bible. It's the most comprehensive teaching on the new birth, being a born again Christian in John 3. I'm gonna teach you about being born again. Title of my message is this, chasers and planners. Chasers and planners. And let me just unpack that thought real quick. Now, in this world, you have chasers. And what chasers are, just to kind of give you an idea, and a lot of people are chasers. They're looking for the next great thing. They move to the Bay Area, chasing for the next great relationship, the next great career. They're just chasing for the next great thing. And then you have planters. And planters can only be found in the Word of God. They're they're Christians because they're planted in the Word of God. And planters aren't looking for the next great thing. They're producing the next great thing. They're planted in the Word of God and they're producing things that the world is desiring. Chasers think that they can have what a planter has produced in 30 years. Let me put it this way. I have a friend and he recently retired, worked at the same place for 42 years, married, has kids, uh, helped out one of my buddies in a church plant for the last for, for, uh, a few years, on his council, uh, leads a small group. The guy's just got a mindset of a planner. What is the mindset of a planner? Can I just tell you something real quick? A mindset of a planner isn't staying in a bad church for 40 years. That's not what I'm saying. Hey, if this church gets crazy and I start preaching out of some other book, Dr. Seuss, you're allowed to leave. It doesn't mean you're not a planner. But if you're coming to Mission Church, you better plant yourself in Mission Church. Because there are people who are trying to chase a great church. And there's people who come to church and say, I'm going to plant here and make it a great church. Planting in a church means you're planting yourself in relationships. Planting yourself in a church is planting yourself on a team. It's planting yourself financially. It's saying, I'm going to make this the greatest place on the planet. That's why I love a church plant. Because we weren't looking for the next great church. We're going to birth the next great church. 
And then after this church mission church, we're going to go birth another great church because we're going to plant more churches. That's the, the commandment of God. So I, I want you to understand that when God says born again, birthed, the, the, the word birthed in the Greek really represents a seed being planted. So God's saying for you to become everything you're supposed to be, you got to get planted. Let me pray. We're going to go in the scriptures right now. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing uh, at Mission Church. And uh, God, I believe it, that 2021, uh, we're going to start meeting again. I declare it, (laughs) that within the next 12 months, there are going to be a building that we get because you're a provider. We're going to have people come back, uh, God, that people are going to um, encounter you in a whole new way. But God, I thank you for what what this is, Lord, that we still have technology, that people are at home right now, and they're going to experience your spirit. They're going to experience freedom. Oh, may my words fall to the floor and your words soar. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on now. Uh, turn your Bibles to John 3, John 3. I'm reading out of the NIV. I've been kind of become a fan of the NIV. I've uh, mostly been an NLT guy myself, a little bit of ESV, but I'm in the NIV right now, so uh, bear with me. John 3 in the NIV says this. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Stop. I'm just going to I'm going to pull a line from Jensen Frank. I'm going to preach it like I feel it today, okay? And what I mean by that is I'm not going to give a bunch of points. I'm going to read, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to teach. I'm going to read a little bit more. I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to teach. Now, this is an amazing moment right here. Nicodemus is rich. He's a ruler in the Jewish culture. He's a Pharisee. There's only about 600 Pharisees at a time. He is the best of the best in the Jewish culture, and he's so intrigued by this carpenter that is a teacher, so intrigued that he sneaks out at night and wants to ask him questions. I wrote down this quote. It's not that good of a quote. It's a Tyler Johnson original, but just bear with me. A church that changes the world will attract a world that wants to be changed. A church that changes the world will attract a world that wants to be changed. Nicodemus wants to be changed. He's seen Jesus change people's lives and says, I gotta go meet that guy. And what Mission Church is gonna be and what it's supposed to be is people are gonna see your life be changed oh, by the Holy Spirit, by the scripture of God. And people say, man, I don't know what it is, but I gotta sneak to church on a Sunday and figure out what's happening. I, uh, I love what Nicodemus comes for. He comes for an intellectual conversation, but he gets a supernatural transformation. You ever get more than you bargained for? I'll never forget the, one of the greatest moments of getting more than I bargained for, and it was when I uh, broke my iPhone. Now, uh, this was the iPhone 2, kids, okay? If you're younger, there was an iPhone 2, and it came out around 2009 or something like that. It was my first, I didn't get the iPhone 1. I was a youth pastor. I didn't have that kind of scrap. I was on some weird uh, Samsung Galaxy thing that was like a square. Uh, so I remember saving up my dollars and getting the iPhone 2. And there was no insurance at the time. And so you, you got to buy it. And you, I mean, uh, it wasn't waterproof at all. So I mean, you got to protect it. So, and I'm not a dropper. I've, I've never broken any other iPhone, just my iPhone 2. Now my wife, she broke her first five iPhones. She dropped everything. She has a superpower though. She catches it half the time. That's a superpower, she says. Another conversation for another day. Anyways, let's go. Um, so I remember getting this iPhone and my family comes and visits and we go to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. Well, not that day for me, okay? So we go on some rides, and uh, my mom, my dad, and my younger brother are visiting. Now, he's my younger brother, but he's my big brother. He's my younger brother, but he's my big brother. He's a little taller than I am, and he's like shoulders are out to here. His hands are twice as big as mine. He's like 300 plus pounds. He's just, I mean, he is a house. Like when he's walking, I mean, you can see him coming, okay? And so my younger brother, my big brother, Nolan, and I decided to go on Splash Mountain. And my mom and dad are like, ah, we're just going to watch. And so uh, me and Nolan get in line. And I'll never forget this. We get in line and we're standing there 
And the guy who's in charge, hey, you, you sit in the front seat right here. So I, I, I sit in the front seat and then one sits right behind me. And then these two little seven-year-old twin girls get paired up with us in the back of the uh, little canoe boat on Splash Mountain. Just, I'm not a physics uh, expert, but just bear with me. Here's what happens when you put 500 pounds in the front and 100 pounds in the back. The boat was like this. So we literally like, I remember looking at the guy like, what are you doing? And I remember him just pushing it and looking at me like, peace out, man. Merry Christmas. Like, I mean, you could tell, he's like, I almost, he, he for sure had a game. He's like, let's get heavy people in the front and light people in the back and just have them get soaked. So I remember like riding away. I'm like, this is not safe. This is not safe. The canoe's almost submerged. And so we go up the first little thing and the first drop's like a foot. And the first drop, water comes in the boat. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. We're going to, it's over, Nolan. And Nolan, it's over. Like, like we got to make peace with God. We're going to die on Splash Mountain. We're going to go underwater and I don't know what's going to happen. And so the next little one was just this little swoopy one. If you ever played Splash Mountain, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been on it? But it's this little swoopy one. And I remember we just swooped and you're supposed to glide on it. Well, we submerged into the water. It came over the top. And I remember I was covering my phone with my hand and my whole lap got soaked. And I pulled my iPhone out and it was going like this. Zoo, zoo gone. I start screaming. I, I may have said a word I shouldn't have said. I may, I may have been like, ah, why, why? And I remember my brother yelling in the boat with the two little girls, Tyler, you can't say that. You're a pastor. And I was like, oh, my bad, my bad. No one, my phone just broke. I, I, I got no insurance. It's done. I'm, I was so mad. I was so mad. I remember we went to the Cheesecake Factory that night and my whole mood was angry. And I was like, I got to go to Apple tomorrow and get my phone fixed. And I'll never forget, I, I walk into Apple and I, I was like, I just got my new phone. I don't have it, but I got a credit card. So, you know, Jehovah Jireh provide. Uh, and so uh, Jehovah Visa. And so I remember walking into the Genius Bar and I told the guys like, I just got this last week. And um, I, I tried to put it in rice, it didn't work. Uh, it got soaked and um, I need to get a new one. And I don't know what made the guy want to do this, but he said, hey man, I'm going to hook you up today. I was like, what? He said, I'm going to hook you up. Uh, I'm going to get you a new iPhone. What? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's all good, man. Here, here, just give me that one. Here, here's the new iPhone. You're fine. That's, I'm, I'm so sorry. It was only a week. That, 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 that's, that's devastating. And I remember walking out of the store, and I was spinning. I was like, this is the greatest Apple store I've ever been to. God bless everyone. I was like, I was pumped up. I was like, man, I've never, I've never experienced something like that ever before in my life uh, on a practical level of walking into a place and expecting to pay something and getting everything for free. Now, now let, me, let me tie this into the mess real quick. Nicodemus is the chaser of all chasers. He's a chaser. He has been chasing righteousness and peace and salvation through law and through every single way you can through being the right type of moral person. And he can't find it. And he walks into this other teacher and just says, man, he's the best teacher. I wonder what kind of things he's gonna teach me to do so I can save myself. He's coming in to figure out how to save himself and he thinks it's gonna be even a higher price tag and Jesus is about to say, I'm gonna hook you up, Nicodemus. You came in with broken stuff. You came in with broken religion. You came in with broken laws. You gotta understand something about the Pharisees. Their laws were so broken. Ooh, you don't even know how broken. Let me break it down for you real quick. Pharisees believed the first five books of the, uh, of, of the, of the Bible were perfect, the Pentateuch. They thought it was perfect. Not only did they think it was perfect, but to, to not live by it meant death. But what happened with the, um, the, uh, um, the law is that they just had to like define things. So they're like, okay, we want to make sure we follow the rules so you can't work on the Sabbath, it says in the first five books, or else you'll die. But like, what does it mean to work? So they would have like literally books this big, like we're talking hundreds of pages about what the law meant and how to follow it. So one of the writings would just be on, can you tie a knot? They would break down if you could tie a knot. 
They would break it down to where, okay, you're allowed to tie a knot with one hand on the Sabbath, but not two hands. Two hands, you die. So, so like if you wanted to lower a, a, um, a, 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 um, a bucket down for a well, you'd have to tie a real knot and lower it down. But if you could get really skilled with one hand, you could lower it down with one hand. It made no sense. But these are the laws that were put on top of the laws. So Nicodemus is just broken. He has fallen so many things, and he comes in and gets this free invitation to a new birth. Let's, let's, let's hear what Jesus says to him. It gets real good here. So he's a chaser, but he's all about to learn to be a planter. So Jesus replies to him after he comes to him and says this, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless, if you're at home say unless, unless, unless they are born, uh, born again. Three times you'll see Jesus say that in just this little teaching. He's emphatic about it. I'll read verse five to you real quick. Jesus answered again, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. I mean, he's repeating himself three times. In the, hey, hey, Nicodemus, stop talking. Sh- 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 shut up. You can almost tell like, like Nicodemus talking like, hey, so uh, what are you? Uh, sh- sh- shut up, shut up, stop, stop talking. Uh, you, want, you want a new life? You want everything? You, you, you want me to renew what's broken inside of you? Nobody can be renewed unless they are born again. Unless, unless, unless. Unless is this interesting word. Uh, let me just use it in other sentences. You can't have fire unless you have air. You cannot have crops unless you have water. I will not have pizza unless I have ranch. I, I won't do it. Don't, don't give me pizza without ranch. I'm not, I won't do it. I, that's my unless. Well, Jesus is saying, there can be no Christianity unless you are born again. There can be no peace unless you are planted in the word of God. There can be no joy unless you're planted in the community of God. Do you know what it says in Ephesians that the fullness of life comes from being planted in the community of people? You cannot have it unless you are planted in the community of people. There's this unless thing in scripture. And we read passing, going, okay, I get it, but, but Jesus is going, if, I need you to get this unless. Unless you have this, you'll never have anything. I, uh, I don't like talking about politics on Sunday. It's just so easy to do right now because everybody needs to be corrected right now politically. Everybody needs a little bit of a talking to. Every pastor has an opinion on Instagram and Twitter on what we're supposed to do politically or how we're supposed to navigate it. So I'm like, I've just been, I've been like, I don't want to talk about it. It's, Lord, people just need Jesus. I, uh, Lord, I believe that people just need you. Um, but I'm going to say one thing politically in this thing. I believe a lot, a lot of politics and why it's so big right now is because a lot of it's you're in less. A lot of you, that's your in less in your heart right now. Unless I have the right leader as president, the church is not going to succeed. Unless I have the right leader as president, the, the USA is never going to be fixed again. Unless I have this person at the helm, it's just my life. What's going to happen to my life? Oh, unless, oh my, unless, unless. Can I read you something a pastor shared with me recently? And I, I just loved it. It just, it comforted my soul. Hopefully it comforts you too. The early church, the early church, a mixture of Jews and Gentiles had no political power. Rome ruled. There was no Christ. Uh, there was no Christian Supreme Court. They had no cultural power. They were persecuted by both Jews and Gentiles. They had no economic power, but they had the love and power of Jesus, and they changed the world. Can I give you an unless real quick, stressed out Christian? The church will not succeed unless we have this president or that president. The church will not succeed unless we have California do this. No, no, no. The church will succeed if we have the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. Those are unlesses. And I'm not going to waver. I have peace. I'll be honest. Like, 
we had a Democratic president for eight years, and then we had a Republican president uh, for the last four years. I flourished, under, I flourished under a Democratic president, and I flourished under a Republican president because they weren't the ones where am I unless. No, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, my Savior, he's my unless. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you have a lot of unlesses. Well, unless I follow the law perfectly, I'm dipped. Well, unless I live this kind of life, as a Pharisee in the Sanhedrin court, I won't be the person and inherit everything. He's like, get rid of all those unlesses. You got one unless, Nicodemus, and the unless is me. Unless you got me, you got nothing. So if you're listening today, I believe the Lord wants you to stop chasing a bunch of other unlesses and get planted to the one that is the most important. His name is Jesus. Man, you need to be born again. So my first point is simply this, the importance of being planted. <laughs> it's everything. It's everything. I, I wrote down a, uh, a simple quote. <laughs> I hope, I hope you like it. My life is nothing unless I have Jesus. You think that would be every Christian statement right now, but it's not how you're living. It's the most, one of the most simple quotes I've ever done in my whole life. But man, may that actually be true in your heart this next season. Oh, may that be true in your heart. Second point is this, the effects of being planted. So, so, so once you get born again, because I, I hear this from Christians all the time. I was one of them. Uh, I think I'm saved, but am I saved? Uh, how do I know I'm saved? What does it look like to be saved? You know, I got Christians on Sundays raise their hand every Sunday. I'm like, I see you again. I see you again. I was that person. I have like 30 CDs from my first church, uh, Next Step CDs, because I was always raising my hand to make sure I got saved. I was like, I don't know, just in case. Double check. Turn to verse four, and here's here's, uh, what Jesus says, the effects of being planted, the effects of being born again. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Sure, they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Don't be surprised by this, Jesus says. The wind blows wherever it passes, uh, pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Stop. Jesus uses two practical words in that, wind and water. That was gonna be other title. If I was gonna title it, I was gonna title it, wind and water, really poetic. And what he's saying is, he goes, and he's like, what do you mean? Like, how, how, how does somebody get born again? What does it look like to be born again? What's the, what's the effects of being born again? He goes, when you're born again, there's gonna be uh, evidence of wind and water. And now let's just talk about wind real quick. If I told you right now, woo, welcome to Mission Church this morning. So glad you're here. I don't know what I'm doing Australian, but I'm gonna do it. I'm so glad you're tuning in. And I was like, we've got 50 mile power winds inside right now. You'd be like, no, you don't. It's not, I don't see the wind. You, you, you know, you don't see wind, but what do you see? You see the effects of wind. My hair would be messed up. My, 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 uh, my crew sweatshirt that my girl got me for Christmas would be waving in the wind. Uh, you would see the effects of wind. You, you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. You don't see the wind, but you see the effects of wind. Do you know the spirit, pneuma and ruah, in the Old Testament, New Testament, Hebrew and Greek, it means wind. And what Jesus is saying is when somebody's born again, if Earthly wind can mess up my hair. Ooh, the Holy Spirit's gonna mess up your life in all the right ways. It's gonna affect somebody's life. When somebody's born again, it just changes where they go. It it sends them in directions they never thought they would. It makes them a generous person they never thought they could be. Jesus simply says this. You wanna know what happens when you get saved? Watch what the Holy Spirit does to your life. Watch the wind of God blow away pain and bring peace. Watch the water of God. What does water represent? It represents cleansing. It represents washing away. Watch somebody who had a lot of shame walk around with no more shame. Watch somebody who used to come to church and was afraid to raise their hands up 
to God because they thought they were a sinner, to raise their hands up boldly because they know that their hands are washed by the blood of Jesus. Watch somebody just worship different. Watch somebody that you thought was the worst absolutely become one of the greatest friends you could ever meet. That, that, that's what happens when you get planted in the word of God. That's what happens when you are born again, when you get planted in the kingdom of heaven. Let's keep going. I uh, want you to know that we're five, uh, 5% into my message. I haven't preached in three, uh, two weeks, so it's gonna be about two hours. Buckle up. Okay, here we go. I kid, I kid. Um, the Bay Area didn't grow up here. Uh, I, uh, I love it more than any other place I've ever lived in my life. I'm in love with the Bay Area. I think it's the greatest geographical spot on the planet. Weather-wise, golf course-wise, what's up? Napa-wise, what's up? Uh, Tahoe-wise, what's up? Uh, everything. I love the people of the Bay Area. I, just, I do. I, I love the type of people it attracts, people who come here to change the world. They want to invent something that would change the world in a way that only you can invent here. It's just, it's just this amazing place. It's, it's, it's got this buzz to it. But there is a, a dark side to it, of course. And I think one of the dark sides of the Bay Area is people come here to use the Bay Area. People come here to experiment and try to find out what is that thing that helps them flourish. Because chasers are trying to flourish, but planners are actually flourishing. And so you, you're looking for it in the Bay Area. And I... Uh, I didn't grow up in the Bay Area. I grew up in Puyallup, Washington. 35,000 people, uh, just a really normal kind of town. And uh, I was one of the first Christians saved in my family, my grandma, then me, but nobody else in my family was saved. And all of them, you could say, were trying to figure out how to flourish. Nobody was saved. So I saw divorces. I saw alcoholism. I just saw the world's experiment, and it sucked. Can I use that word? I'm gonna use it. It was terrible. So when I started going to church, you didn't have to convince me that the Holy Spirit and being born again was a good idea. I was like, man, I am down for the way, the truth, the life. Give me Jesus. I want the effects of it. I want it. Do you want to know why I wanted it so bad? I walked into church and I saw people impacted by the wind of God. I saw people's lives messed up by God in all the right ways. I saw great marriages uh, for the first time. I saw great families for the first time. I saw great fathers. Oh, I saw great moms. I saw, I saw just great people, great friendships at church. I saw people's lives who were messed up and then messed up in the right way and redeemed. You know what I love about our church? We got a lot of people who have been messed by the wind. I, I, I love our church because when people come, one of the things they say is they talk about people at our church and why they came because of that couple. Oh, I, I heard that couple went to your church. Oh, those people, that's, oh, it's, that's what attracted me here. I actually want to give a shout out to some people where you have been affected by the wind of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and just like me as a young kid, people are coming to Mission Church and they see your life and say, man, I want what you have. I want to give a shout out to, uh, where is it at? Sorry, my, uh, I'm a little rusty. My camera, my, my, uh, my computer keeps on going to the top. I need a new laptop. I'm going Microsoft. Goodbye, Apple. <laughs> that's never going to happen. Okay, uh, never going Microsoft. But maybe if I can't find it. Here we go. Uh, I want to give a shout out. The Allens, love you. Thank you for being ambassadors. Thank you for showing people what a great family looks like. People are attracted to our church because of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's done in your life. Uh, Weinbergs, oh, just thank you for being just pillars in the, in the region and pillars at our church. People are attracted to God because of the way you're living your life. You've been, uh, you, you've been somebody the wind has affected. Uh, the Lucias, oh, uh, one of our council members and family, thank you for just living the way you live. The Vodders, 
thank you for being a family and just the way you impact downtown Walnut Creek. Love the way you live life. People come to church because the way you live, the way the Holy Spirit has affected the way you live. Uh, the Millers, oh, I love the Millers and there's their joy and kindness. Oh, the way you live is attracted people to God's house. Uh, the Longtons, the way that you guys are faithful and just serve the house, it attracts people to God's house. Uh, the house, oh, just the, the salt of the earth type of people. People come in and taste the church and realize how great it is because of the way you live your life. Uh, the Glaziers, uh, another family, just great marriage, great ambassadors in the kingdom. And the Marquezes, oh, they just love people, help younger marriages, have been running this race uh, for so long and doing it so well. The Turkoviches, oh, the way they love people and mentor people. These are all people that we cannot count this common. Those are all planters. These are people for years. You can notice, I didn't, I didn't say any young couples. I didn't say anybody who's married five or 10 years. I was trying to give people shout outs that, that at least had 10 plus years of marriage because you go through 10 years, you realize, man, I can't go chase something else. This is where I'm planted. Man, thank you for planting yourself in the word of God. Thank you for planting yourself in Mission Church. Thank you for showing people that if you wanna be a flourishing person, you better become a planter. The, 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 the model we have in Mission Church are people like that. That's why our church is special. People ask me, you know, how do I disciple somebody? How do I disciple somebody? Man, first of all, you gotta get them planted in the word. You gotta get them planted in the house. You gotta get them planted in the spirit of God. Which means my next, my next point, you gotta have them stay planted. Third, uh, third point is how do you stay planted? So Nicodemus is now like, okay, so hold on a second. Wind and water, okay, I get it, but, but how does this work? Like, is that just a one-time moment? What does it look like? What does it mean for the rest of my life? So he goes, how can this be, Nicodemus asked? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify uh, to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you on, uh, of earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has, uh, came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Stop. Now Jesus goes to Numbers and talks about this story about Moses lifting up this um, bronze uh, um, a snake. And it, now... It's a weird story, but it ties in perfectly. And this is what Jesus is saying. Okay, Nicodemus, your soul is sick. There is poison in you, and it's legalism, it's sin, and it needs to go. So you get born again, but how do you stay healthy, and how do you stay whole? And he shares a story of Moses holding up this gold statue. Well, if you know anything about the story, the Israelites are grumbling. They start getting bit by a ton of snakes, and now the snakes bite them. They're getting fevers. They're burning. They're literally... Uh, dying of like thirst, they, they're, they're quenched, they need water. It's, a, it's an interesting physical picture of what actually what happens with the soul because sin is like a serpent that bites you and makes you literally get sick and then makes you thirst for everything. And so then the Lord tells Moses to lift it up and if they look at the, uh, this, this, this statue, they'll be healed. And Jesus says, just like when Moses lifted up the statue, it will be now that if you want to be healed, if you want to be cured and you want to stay healthy, you need to look at Jesus lifted up. Now, now, what does that look like? It's everywhere in scripture. It's just fixing your eyes on Jesus. It's so simple. Can I teach a little bit? Can I sharpen your ax a little bit? I wanna read you some scripture real quick. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. Where have you been dwelling lately? Because really dwelling is fixing. Has your mind been dwelling on the things of the world? Is it dwelling on finances? Is it dwelling on a sickness? Is it dwelling on a disease? What is your mind dwelling on? Because if you dwell in the shelter of the most high, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna find rest. You have a rest problem because you have a dwelling problem. You're not dwelling in the right spots because therefore you're not resting in the right way. 
And, and that's all Jesus saying, oh, if you want to have a healthy soul, you got to dwell and keep your eyes on, on the one that's lifted up on the cross. Let me uh, say it this way. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Where do your dreams dwell, I, I ask you? Where do your thoughts dwell? Man, my dreams dwell in the shelter of the Most High. I love how it goes on in Psalm 91. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. I love promises like that. When I'm going through a valley, I go to Psalm 91 and I pray it over my life. That's where I dwell. I love, I love Psalm 1. My baby girl a few weeks ago shared this in the botanical growth. I loved it. Um, it it's kind of ties in with my planning thing today. But just Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but those who delight in the law of the Lord. Delighting. It's like, you, ever, um, you ever stare at somebody too long when you were a young adult and you were uh, single? You ever been like, and then they see you like, and then you look at them again, and you're like, I, I don't think they saw me. They saw you, okay? If you're a young adult, stop staring. But it's interesting, when you find somebody attractive, you delight in the way they look, you just can't help be like, what happens when Jesus becomes the most attractive thing in your life, you just can't help but look at the most high. And, and you start to look at him, it says, oh, blessed are those who delight. I, I love, I love, I love the scripture. I love God's word. He goes on to say, I delight in the law of the Lord and meditates on day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in each season. Oh man, you want to yield fruit? Oh, start, start delighting in God. Start actually looking at the things in his, look at his promises. My last one is Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. You want to be prosperous and successful? Well, here you go. Then you'll be prosperous and successful in all you do. The word of God should be on your lips all the time, on your mind all the time, and in your heart all the time. But man, I don't see that a lot on social media. I don't see it a lot in conversation. I, I believe the American church needs to up their game a little bit. Can I sharpen your ax a little bit? Can I teach you how to be a planner? You need to be planning the word of God a little bit. We're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting right now. It's not about just not eating something. Rachel and I are doing vegetables for 21 days. It's been fantastic so far. I'm loving it, all right? Uh, but really why I'm saying no to vegetables is I'm telling my flesh, no flesh, you're not in charge. I want to be led by my spirit. And not only that, I'm saying no to my flesh. I'm saying yes to God. I've doubled up my reading uh, in this 21 days. I'm reading twice as much as I usually do on every day because I want more of God. I want, I want to delight in the scripture. I want more more of a scripture. Man, you better start saying yes to scripture. Christianity really is that simple sometimes. Reading your word and obeying what it says. Let's go on to my last point. Fourth point, the impact of being planted. The impact of being planted. So you see the effects. Let's go over the three points. I'm going to tie it up. So first one is somebody that's the importance of being planted. You can't have it. Unless you're planted, you will have nothing. Unless you have juice, you have nothing. So we talked about the importance of it. Uh, then we talked about the second thing was the uh, effects of it, the wind. Oh, people are attracted to the effects of it. They're attracted, they see it. So they see the effects of it. That's a good thing. Now, the, the third one we talked about is how do you stay planted? This fourth one's, oh, it's, it's pivotal. What happens when we start being planted? It impacts everybody around you. The impact of being planted. So you have the attraction part, but then you have the impact part. The church should impact the region. If Mission Church disappeared, I hope the city would miss us. I hope people would miss you. I hope people in your workplace would miss you. I love what he says right here. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Oh, when you're planted, when you're planted in love, God, was, God is love, he couldn't help but give his son. But he gave his only son, this is the most famous verse in the Bible, if you ask me, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God, one and only son, stop. I'm so glad God sent a savior, not a condemner. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. 
So here's the impact of it. Um, Y'all, I'll read the verse. John 14. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. Um, I meet a lot of Christians. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. Oh, I love Jesus. I'm saved. I believe God for my eternity. But then you can't believe him for anything else in your life. You can't believe his principles on how you're supposed to navigate dating. You can't believe his principles on how you're supposed to navigate relationships. I believe God for my eternity, but I don't believe him with my finances. I, I believe God for my eternity, but I don't uh, believe him for my offenses. I don't know. I'm not going to believe him in that part. And, and that part, I just, so you believe him for the biggest part of your life, but not the smallest part? No. When God really starts to impact your life, it changes your nature, and your nature changes everything around you. Let me uh, share an illustration. Let's use my favorite animal, a lion, okay? Uh, picture a lion. He's in here, big old Mufasa lion just right here. I put a bowl of meat and I put a bowl of quinoa to the right. And I say, all right, Mufasa, which one you want? A hundred out of a hundred times, Mufasa the lion is gonna pick meat. He's not gonna be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a vegan lion. I'll take the quinoa. No, it's not their nature. Lions eat meat. They're carnivores. That ugh, quinoa, I'd be like, he almost maybe attacked me because I even offered him quinoa. He's like, don't you disrespect me with the quinoa. So he, he would eat the meat. The Bible says that your flesh a hundred out of a hundred times picks itself. That's, your na- that's, that's the nature of your flesh. Oh, you pick yourself over and over again. Oh, preserve self, help self. If I'm gonna have a friendship, it's because it benefits me and me alone. Oh, I'm gonna have a job, it better benefit me. Oh, if I'm gonna do something, I better have something in return. Your flesh always has to make sure you're getting some return. The ROI better be there for my flesh. I heard a pastor say one time that we never look more like Jesus than when we give. Because God gave his only son, and there's something about giving with no strings attached. I'm gonna touch on giving real quick uh, uh, this morning. Never count it common that you are somebody who faithfully ties to the church. I've taught on tithing, I think, once in three years here, and barely, it was like 10 minutes of a message. But so many people have came to our church because you have taught or you've read the word and you understand the principle of it, you understand the importance of it, and your nature has been changed because you've been born again. And so the impact that you're having on Mission Church in this region, how we're allowed to give thousands away, hundreds of thousands of dollars away, is because you are given first. We can't give unless you give. We can't impact unless you impact. And so there are people who you faithfully give every month. You know that's not your flesh nature? God's changed you. You're saying, you know what? This isn't about me. It's about the kingdom. This is strictly about the kingdom. I want to invest in the kingdom. When you start leading a small group, not because you get anything out of it, but because you know people need community and they need a leader, Oh, that's when you start to go, I'm a different kind of disciple now. I'm a different kind of planted Christian. I am a tree that is flourishing and I got way too much fruit. I can't eat all of it. I need people to come under this tree and I need them to actually feed from what I've learned. It's not, a, it's not an arrogance thing. It's a build the kingdom thing. I look at this next season of our church and I believe that there are people that God's gonna call you to impact people in a whole way that you never thought you could because your flesh is dying every day when you stay planted in the word of God. I... Uh, I want to finish with this little uh, quote. Ready? You're producing what you're planting right now. Boom. We know the verses in Galatians. God cannot be mocked. You reap what you sow. We know that verse. If you're brand new church, it's one of the more famous verses in church. And a lot of you, you're not producing what you desire. It's because you're not planted in the right spots. You have a production problem because you have a planting problem. And if you um, had an orchard, I think that's what it's called. I'm not a farmer. Of peach trees. And you want to get in the applesauce business. I want to start selling applesauce. Well, you'd maybe say, maybe we just prune the trees down. Maybe we just cut the branches. Maybe we'll start producing apples. 
Now that didn't work, okay. Maybe if we just put apples around the tree, maybe the trees will start producing apples. Eventually, you'd realize that none of that works, but hopefully you have still more time in your life to realize that these trees need to be ripped out of this soil and new trees need to be planted. And then you become apple trees. Can I encourage you? God needs to rip some stuff out of your life. He needs to rip selfishness out of your life so you can start planting selflessness. He needs to rip um, angst out of your life so he can plant peace. Oh, come to the Word of God this next week and say, God, I want to produce what the Word of God says I can produce. Rip what you need to rip and add what you need to add. I want to be a planner, not a chaser. Let me pray for you real quick, Mission Church. God, I thank you so much that you call us to be planners and not chasers. That John 3, a, a, a simple teaching about being born again is so thick and so rich. Lord, that you give us way more than we ask for that we don't come and we have to pay for it. We come and bring our broken things and we walk away with something free. And it's called salvation. It's called a new life, a new birth. If you're brand new at Mission Church and you're just tuning in today and you wanna say yes to Jesus, you wanna say yes to heaven, no to hell, yes to blessing, no to cursing. You wanna say yes to salvation. The Bible says to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you'll be saved. If you wanna do that, confess on the YouTube is the new way we say it. Confess on the YouTube and type yes in, in the chats. Or uh, tell a friend you just said yes. Uh, email us and said, said yes and we'll uh, follow up with you. Mr. Church, I love you. I'm gonna be back next week. We're in a Knowing God series. I'm loving it. Take care, be blessed. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.